0: It's behind the headlines on WLIWFM. This is our opportunity every week to sit down with journalists from throughout the East End to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the week's headlines. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm your host. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express and the website 27east.com and plus the magazine Express Magazine. Uh, With me is my co-host Bill Sutton, he's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. First time panelist this week, welcome to Christopher Walsh, uh, who is the senior uh, staff writer at the East Hampton Star. Hey Christopher, good to have you here.
1: morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming. Uh, We also have uh, Denise Civiletti, who's the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. Hello, good morning. Good to have you, and Brian Cosgrove, who hosts the Afternoon Ramble right here at WLIW-FM. Thanks for sharing the airwaves with us today, Brian. Oh,
2: always a pleasure.
0: Good to have you here. So let's talk politics a little bit. We're closing in on uh, the political vote that's coming up on November 8th. And uh, Denise, uh, we were talking that uh, Lee Elden, the Republican candidate for governor, doesn't appear to be in a position to win the race but he's certainly closing the gap a bit
3: quite a bit and uh you know I think that I've been saying this from the beginning I think that um anything can happen really in this race I really do um it's agreed. Um, pardon agreed yeah I, I just feel like you know I think I think there is I don't know if it's a red wave that uh, Zelda is predicting but I think you know, this, he he's got momentum on his side, and I think Hochul very distinctly lacks that momentum as a candidate individually, and then just in the context of of you know the bigger picture here. Um, I feel like I've been saying like I don't think she excites the the Democratic base, and and I don't think that you know I, I think that turnout is going to be. Especially key in this year's election, in that election in particular. And but don't
0: um, you don't you think the 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 Democratic base is already engaged because of the court decisions and everything that that may not be such a factor in this particular race because of the timing of it.
3: I you know I, it remains to be seen, Joe. I mean, I think that um, you know with the way that. Um, People are. I had. How do I phrase this? The way people are pumping up the increase in crime and Zeldin's whole thing about cashless bail, right along and yeah. tagging Hochul with that, and um, you know things that have happened. The man that you know jumped on the stage and tried to attack him with a plastic uh, hmm. key thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a knife, but you know a pointy object. And then, of course, last week, that horrific uh, story about, you know, like a, a drive by shooting right in front of his house. I mean, you know, he's got these issues that they like that kind of feeds right into what his platform has been. You know, I, think I, that I don't, you know, came like I don't
2: mean to interrupt, but I it, it seems to me that, you know, this is Zeldin's district. So shouldn't yeah. he be responsible for crime in his district? I find that argument to be a little
3: you know it's a local it's a local issue though you know what i mean like there's only so much a congressperson, a congressman can do with that and he's you know he's saying you know put put state government in the hands of the republicans and we're going to crack down on crime and that's what he's been harping on that and i I just feel like you know. Uh,
4: talk yeah. talking about they're going to repeal the cashless bail and yeah. you know and and all that which they're blaming on you know all the crime in, in the state which the crime crime was occurring in the state before they you know changed the the bail system and we've had you know a few debates on this show of you know about that and how
3: it's on the rise nationally like yeah. you know where people where there is no such thing as cashless bail which is a misnomer anyway but I mean clearly zeldin doesn't even believe in bail at all like i mean you know he he thinks that people whether they have money to post bail or not should be you know confined indefinitely if they're accused of a serious crime or have you know prior convictions and that really isn't how our criminal justice system works you know people take issue with that but that's not that has not been the law um and that has nothing to do with the last criminal justice reform bill that got passed um in 2019
4: yeah and i mean i, I think but, but know, that resonates and on, with denise
3: that, well i mean they've done a, a fantastic you know marketing campaign around yeah. that you know and, and i think and on top of that you know Hokel's kind of like you know albany ick you know yeah. with like donors and contracts and things and and it's like you know, you know i
2: i saw I like three about maybe i'm not great with time Maybe about th- three weeks ago, cr- uh, um, ads against Zeldin, obviously for Hochul, a kind of attack ads that you know were seemed they were very good. And I've only seen in the past week a few Zeldin ads. It seems like uh, Hokel had the jump on the ads, and I thought her campaign was pretty
4: effective. I think See, she's I think got th- she's got a lot more money. She's got a lot, lot
0: more money, money, but I also <laughs> think there's a lot more dark money that's going to come into the race towards the end for the, uh, for the Zeldin side. So I was sort of intrigued that, you know, random crime is random, but it happened in Zeldin's neighborhood near his house, right before he was about to give a big crime speech, which, you know, I, I feel like Zeldin's campaign in, and there were some awful events that, that highlighted it, but they have drawn attention Mm. to some of his key message in a way that, that, you know, it seems like the events conspired to let him do that. Christopher, you know, we don't really we, we sort of keep one eye on on the governor's race. Uh, and it's a little of a little more local interest this year because of uh, Lee Zeldin being in the race. But what's your take on all this? What, what have you seen uh, with the governor's race?
1: This one, like uh, so many races around the country, is um, so difficult to predict this year because we have these wild cards at the national level. Um, Abortion, certainly. I think the Supreme Court may have possibly sunk Zeldin and many other candidates with their um, decision on Roe earlier in the year. not surprisingly, Mr. Zeldin has tried to downplay his previous opposition to that. He always, always pivots to partial birth abortion, which is a tiny fraction. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not even accurate, the, to, to abortions after a certain number of weeks. And uh, we'll say partial birth, partial birth, they, they hammer that one home. Nicola Loda has done the same and they've scrubbed their websites and changed their positions somewhat on that to downplay it. On the other hand, of course, crime and inflation are factors too. Um, Zeldin's campaign almost writes itself. Right. He's made crime such an issue. And then this yeah. like, shooting tragically happens outside or very near to his home. Um, find it a wee bit unseemly that he seems to rush to the scene of every crime to hold a press conference. Um, and yeah, he however, you did not have to go was, far from for the last one. Right? Right. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, yes, yeah, certainly the race has tightened. Um, the last poll I saw had to uh, um, hockle up by 10, I think, which is a lot less than what previous uh, Siena and Emerson College polls had it at. But it's still a quite a lot more than the polls that he touts himself from a firm that I'm not sure is reputable because they seem to have a lot of races a lot closer than they might actually be. Yeah. And, and
3: I'm skeptical the of the polls. Of New York Times is like eight, he's eight points. Among likely voters, but there's a margin of error of four points.
1: Right, right. Yeah. I I just yeah. think it's it's going to be so hard for him to overcome that just the simple fact of registration, party registration, is so so much against the Republican Party in this state.
0: Yeah, and I just genu- genuinely wonder if the polling is going to be flawed again this time yeah. because there are so many factors at play as far as turnout, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to overestimate what it might be. Uh, as far as um, women voters in particular, and we've, you know, in, in a lot of places, we've seen the number of women vo- uh, voters registering go up significantly. And I, I just feel like that's we we can only estimate what that effect's going to be. And I think ultimately, it's not going to be as close as as the polls seem to suggest. But we shall see. That's why we have the vote. Oh. What are, what about the local races? Uh, you know, they've been. I, I think that the first district race, which is. Uh, Lee Zeldin's um, current district, uh, which is obviously up for grabs, um, I think that's going to be a close race, and I think all of the observers have said that. Right? That's that's pretty much neck and neck. Have you have you seen? I, 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 I haven't it's, seen any has, polling on that. Has it it hasn't. I believe it's. I believe some of the national pollsters have said it's one of the more competitive races. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. Yeah, I saw reference to a poll that had Loloda up by four points. This was in an. Um, I believe it was the East Hampton town Democrats email. Um, and that is the only thing I've seen. And that, that more or less lines up with my own expectation at this point. Um, you know, the redistricting will change the, um, the makeup of the electorate somewhat, but it's, yeah, I think it's going to be a really close one. Um, Bridget Fleming was in the race last time. She ultimately did not get the nomination. She had jumped in pretty late and uh, so got in pretty early this time around and, uh, ultimately had no opposition. Right. But, um, right. It's, yeah, it's that, a tough one. This, I think the district still seems to lean Republican, yeah,
0: this was an unusual year in that the the Democrats lined up and didn't have the uh the primary fight and the Republicans did uh mm-hmm. but that race has come up so
4: yeah, um, we'll see, well, I mean, I certainly they're campaigning, but it, i I kind of expected uh, a a and maybe it'll heat up toward you know toward election day, but I I expected a hotter race. I expected a little more back and forth, and certainly, you know, they they're running ads, and you know, and I've seen a, a few, and they're participating, in, you know, in the debates and stuff. But I haven't really seen um, uh, a huge push yet on, from, from either side.
2: Is the re- yeah, exactly. is the Republican candidate from Western Long Island? Is he from Up Island?
4: I believe Amityville.
3: Amityville. Amityville. So he, yeah, he, doesn't, he, he does not yeah. live
4: in the district and has right. promised that if elected, he would move to the district. But um Which yeah. which
0: which uh revealed to us that I, I did not know that you don't have to live in the district to represent the district. Uh but uh Nick Loloda has said that he will move into the district if he's elected. But uh, he's uh,
3: got three kids in school there. <laughs> Pardon of yes. me, I'm skeptical. He he was a trustee in the village of Amityville. He ran for mayor, I think, unsuccessfully. In the, so you know, I I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. an unusual situation. Question about it. Um, you know, the other thing that's on the ballot on November eighth is uh, the community housing fund in Southampton and East Hampton, and in all of the five East End towns except for Riverhead. At Riverhead, right? uh, Christopher. This is this has been a topic of great discussion for 20 years, and this is uh, a major measure that, that really could make a difference as far as what the towns can do to start to address the affordable housing crisis.
1: Right, it would be a game changer. This is Proposition 3 on the ballot, right? That would um, uh, create the Community Housing Opportunity Fund and fund it with a half percent transfer tax on top of the 2% transfer tax that funds the Community Preservation Fund. Um, town officials are certainly pushing this hard. They've had a l- number of forums about it. Um, there's one uh, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, or thereabouts. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think off the uh, prior to our show here, uh, housing does seem to loom over everything. And it's obviously not uh, specific to this year, but the town did launch that all hands-on housing initiative at the beginning of this year in the supervisor's state of the town message. Um, You just see it in everything. You see it in all of the vacancies in in, at town hall that they're trying to fill because um, people just can't afford to live here. And I guess they can't stomach the trade parade either. And I certainly wouldn't want to. Um, you see it in, uh, I speak with restaurant owners, particularly in Montauk who can't be open as much as they wanted to in the season because they just don't have the staffing and the st- they don't have the staffing because they don't have the housing. Um mm-hmm. stock owns a number of uh, units for staff housing and they house as many as as they can, but it's it's just not enough. Uh, and there are others, of course, a lot of the other big uh, resorts and businesses there have some stuff. It's, well, it's important
0: ahead. too, you know, a new phrase that's come up that i've heard quite a bit in this conversation lately is the middle market and the, you know this isn't just about um you know affordable housing for low income earners this is for for um teachers and doctors and nurses who are also priced out that that those those right. um housing opportunities that had been affordable for the longest time have pretty much all but disappeared on the, on the entire uh, South Fork, for sure, but but certainly um, slipping away on the, on the East End in general.
1: Right, but uh, out, out this way, we did see recently the groundbreaking at uh, 50 units on Three Mile Harbor Road. Um, town just hired a consultant to do some examination of some existing houses on property that was purchased on Route 114 that will ultimately be more affordable housing. And I can tell you from personal experience, um, the place you're looking at here is part of the town's affordable housing plan. And hmm. Terrific. I was very lucky to draw a fairly high number in a lot of years ago, and I, I now own the place that you're seeing here as of a little over a year ago. And I can tell you, it's a game changer. Um, I came back from New York City, uh, having grown up out here 10 years ago, and uh, certainly bounced around from one substandard, very expensive uh, housing situation to another for a while. So it's a game changer. I can tell you. I have I think, a question.
4: I think we've would, would,
1: would, would you I, still I, be here?
0: if you didn't get that
1: housing um i certainly considered going back to the city a number of times um over the years um really glad i wasn't there during covid but yeah. uh yeah yeah but, it's tough it's it's discouraging too you know i just think i was looking at quag and um further points west as well for a while i think east
4: hampton's done i mean certainly nobody's done enough but i think east hampton has been ahead of the game for for a while now for for years um there, there's at least pushed forward a, a few projects um you know more than 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 maybe Southampton has or or other towns do do we think though that so so this vote is coming up for this for the community housing fund do we think that the towns have done a good enough job in explaining to the public what exactly that money would be used for or, or are is everybody just depending on um the, the fact that everybody knows that we need more affordable housing on the East End and this is going to be the the magic fix?'m I'm, I'm not opposed to the CHF and I'm certainly um well, I'm in Riverhead now so I guess I can't vote for it but um I'm certainly in in favor of it and I hope it passes. I'm just wondering if there's going to be an issue when when people get to the polls if if they, if they know enough about what that money is going to be used for, what the plans are um, that the towns have to to utilize those funds once they start rolling in.
0: Yeah, Chris, they, they, East Hampton had an event uh, this past week at LTV, I believe, right? right. Um, so they are trying to get the word out. And, and a you know, little shameless plug, we are doing an express right. sessions event uh, it will actually have happened uh, by the time this airs, but it's on Friday at lunchtime uh, where we're having a conversation about it as well. So the discussions are taking place. But um, I think I think Bill's right. I, I've been sort of disappointed at the lack of engagement that's taking place, that there isn't sort of a, 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 a full court press. I mean, we we talked about comparing it to when the Community Preservation Fund was approved by voters back in 99. That was about a two or three year effort to really get people on board and and to sell the idea. There is some real entrenched opposition to this idea in, in parts of the community out there. And, and, and Chris, I don't know that 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 either town has really done uh on the south fork at least has done much to 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 get out and try and address that
1: Hmm, that's interesting i wasn't i wasn't living here when the cpf was passed um so i I can't really speak to that but if you hang around town hall or watch the meetings via ltv or read the newspapers hopefully um yeah the the town officials spent a lot of time uh, on the wording of the proposition itself so that they could make it extremely clear that such things have a history of being somewhat unclear in their language, but uh, so so a great deal of attention was given to that. And um, in my view, yes, the town board has pushed this pretty hard. Um, even see a few lawn signs about it saying vote yes on three. Uh, I haven't seen any to say vote no on three yet, but... Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can't really do a comparison having not lived here at the no. time, but um, but it's it's my sense that they're pushing it pretty hard and that the word is, is pretty well out there, but uh, I've been wrong before.
4: I was uh, Joe, Joe. I was I was speaking to some people in in Hampton Bays, who who are pro affordable housing, but are concerned that um, that you know once this money starts coming in, that the town is just going to start um, piling up more and more affordable housing in hamlets like. Hampton Bays and Flanders Riverside and, you know, and, and, you know, because it's cheaper and easier to, to build them there. But these are places where residents feel like they have enough affordable housing already or, or not, if not enough, then more affordable housing than other areas of the town. And I don't know that the town, again, has made it clear to, to these people that, that, you know, that that the plan includes a lot of different options first, dire, first time home buyer options um you, you know rental uh, rental assistance uh, mortgage assistance fixing up homes that type of thing that it's not just going to be putting um you know 60 unit uh, affordable apartments um you know four stories high in downtown Hampton bays um so you know to to, to my point i i think that you know what what the plan is um you know and obviously the plan doesn't at this point doesn't say we're going to you know allocate you know this percentage here or that percentage there you know to these types of projects they left it kind of loose and open so that um as as projects come along or they can develop their their plan you know after after the uh proposition passes but i i wonder if that if if it if that could might have some negative effect on the people that I was talking to.
0: Yeah. And Brian, this is obviously a subject near and dear to your heart. We've been talking about it for years and years and years uh, that something needs to be done to make more affordable housing opportunities available. I, you know, to, to Bill's point, um, There are really two proposals and and very early stages for both of them. But one is in Sag Harbor and one is in Hampton Bays, where there was talk about adding more apartments to create, that they would be the type of apartments that would be above stores and that would be sort of affordable by nature. And immediately, uh, you got a lot of kickback from the local communities in both Sag Harbor and Hampton Bays, who are not really in favor of that. And it, it goes to the point for me, that's that I think we have to underscore, which is if the, the community housing fund is approved and, and enacted, the next step is to to try and convince the community that building and allowing the construction of these of these apartments and, and other opportunities is a good thing for the community, not a bad thing.
2: Yeah, I, you know, when, um, and I'm, and Chris, uh, Christopher, congratulations on your place. I think Thank that's you. great that you got a place. And um, I was thinking that it must have been when I was, I lived up in Springs for over 15 years. And um, this must be about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit less, between 15 and 20 years ago, there was um, an apartment complex put up just north of the Senior Center on Springs Fireplace Road. And it was... Uh, Rental affordable housing by lottery. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine who was a postal worker and his wife, who was um, like a yoga teacher, and she worked at, you know, uh, health food stores and things like that, two income house. um, They their number came up and they got it. Now, like I said, this is almost 20 years ago and it was a two bedroom. It was a nice place. It was brand new. Obviously, it was like sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars. That was almost 20 years ago. And you know the rate of you know anything that's going to be you know the ballpark of what we're talking about, I think, for affordable housing, is going to be what maybe fifteen to two thousand dollars for anything that the towns might come up with. That's a pretty big nut to crack if you you know when you right. when you think about it. Forget about owning, because I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I don't think you can get anything east of. Uh, you know the uh, the Twin Forks are probably even further, maybe east of Matterville, under five hundred thousand. Yeah, we're lucky, and there's going to be a bidding war. We had a real be, estate
0: yeah. a real estate agent on a a panel this summer who said that the five hundred thousand dollar house in Southampton Town doesn't exist anymore, no. and very soon that number will go to a million dollars. Now I, I have a feeling that that the the housing situation may be. Slightly revising a little bit, and I think things will will at least slow uh, the increase. But I doubt they're going to come back down significantly. So no, prices to- will
4: never come back from that. I think yeah. it's I think
2: we're it's pretty much baked in now. And you know, back to Joe, we were talking about um, businesses that uh, you know it's hard to get staff, and you know, I think what was that uh, the new phrase you heard? Middle market, Joe was the middle that? Middle
0: market is is been yeah. has been used quite a bit by the housing advocates.
2: I can see that. And obviously businesses too. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of folks who have done very well for themselves. They want to come out and they just want to have a presence in, you know, uh, Sand Harbor or on Newtown Lane or out in Montauk, who I don't want to say it's a drop in the bucket to them, but it doesn't matter if they stay open only a couple of days a week. This is just kind of like a billboard for maybe their other businesses. These are people who've done very well for themselves. And that's great. But the fact is, is that I don't think there's, in, as far as business goes, middle market is quickly going to get squeezed out. If there, is, yeah. there, is, there left? is there any middle market kind of left? Maybe in Sag Harbor and Montauk, some folks are really hanging on and I hope they can make it, but I don't see it
0: happening.
4: I, I think under Southampton Town's uh, CHF plan, there would include some incentives to businesses to build employee housing somehow. And hopefully that would come along with some kind of code changes to, to allow it. And we've seen some businesses like golf courses who have, um, you know, have built employee housing and, and, you know, there was the one course um, you know, that that did a, a renovated shipping containers into housing or had a plan to do that. Um, I, I would think that, that hopefully, you know, if, if this is approved that, that that's a, a, a large part of the plan is to help employers somehow um, you know, buy buy purchase housing or build housing that that they can then subsidize for their employees. Um, you and know, Bill, I, I've told I've told this story before when when I first you know came to uh, came to Long Island to work for the press. Um, so so many years ago, um, <laughs> I, I was I was able to to rent an apartment that was owned by um the the family that published the the southampton press at the time the lockheim family and it was a very affordable rent and i stayed i stayed there for um you know for for two decades and if that hadn't been available to me available to me i don't know that i would have stayed on long island because the cost of living was so much and rent was so high and and all that so it's opportunities like that and and, and opportunities like christopher got to get on the, the list in east hampton that, that is going to keep people out here and keep people working.
0: Should make the point too, Bill, that in addition to the code changes and stuff that would allow employers to build housing, the the CHF, I believe part of the idea is to use some of the money that would be generated that would allow the town to partner with employers to make that housing more affordable as well. Right. So there's a lot of possible uses for this money. And I think that that, you know, we always look at at big issues like this and say they can't be solved. Uh, because there's not enough money to do it. I think the CHF would actually provide some funds that would lead to some creative solutions. So that's on the ballot on November 8th. Um, a reminder to people, it's on the back of the ballot. So you <laughs> got to remember to turn it over. Turn it over. Whichever way you decide to vote, you definitely should get your voice heard on that. This is Behind the Headlines on wliw I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Brian Clausgrove of WLIW, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, and Christopher Walsh of the East Hampton Star. Uh, Denise, we spoke last, well, we speak many weeks, but we spoke just recently last week about the EPCAL site in Calverton. Um, there was This was the subject of a supervisor's roundtable meeting this past week, you, you discovered, and you learned some stuff, right?
3: Yeah, well, um, I was not able to attend in person, but a number of people, just community residents from Riverhead, went to it because they were just curious. There's a lot of kind of controversial things happening in Riverhead. There's a, you know, just a cluster of them right now, and um, so they, uh, some folks went there, and one of them I discovered uh, made an audio recording with their iPhone, and so I was able to get a recording of the um, the session and um, it was really quite remarkable because um, the super the Riverhead Supervisor Yvette Aguiar um, joined with, um, has now joined ranks with Triple Five. And this is a company that she professed, she wanted to um, kind of move out of this deal because the contract which she's very uh, consistently points out was made before um, was signed by her predecessor, was made before her time uh, in in office here. And she said, it's a bad contract and, you know, it's not good for the town,
0: but you remind people what they want to do. uh, What Thank you.
3: you. Um, I live with this, you know, it's like, so um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's the town is, uh, selling is in contract to sell to an affiliate, a subsidiary of triple five, a 1,644 acres of vacant industrially zoned land inside the enterprise park at Calverton, which is called EPCAL. Um, And it was um, for $40 million. That's a little under $25,000 an acre. Um, a lot of people were enraged about that from the very beginning, um, because it seemed like it was far too, um, cheap (laughs) and, um, it's, it's been languishing and they haven't been able to close the deal because the town has some, uh, very, um, complicated regulatory issues with the state DEC over, um, water supply and the state DEC has told the town straight up that the Riverhead Water District does not have the right to serve that property, even though it's in the town of Riverhead, the water district, you know, it's not within the water district. And therefore, uh, the Suffolk County Water Authority has the right to serve it unless the town gets the Suffolk County Water Authority's consent to it, which the water authority is not willing to give. So the town, they sued the DEC and that they lost that suit and so it's just been kind of you know stuck in molasses um, this deal and they came up with a, a new way to either close the deal or get out of the deal and that is to um, have the Riverhead Industrial Development Agency get involved and the town and triple five made a joint application to the Riverhead Industrial development Agency to um, for uh, financial benefits i e state sales and mortgage recording tax exemptions and property local property tax abatements for the first phase of this development and um the town it's unclear you know the the plans that were um, uh, presented to the industrial development agency on september 21st had never before been presented to the town board publicly Mm -hmm. We hmm. have the public never saw them before. And at that meeting, they presented um, a total build out of uh, over 10 million square feet. The town is um, in, in the midst of that 1,644 acre plot, if you will, are the two runways at EPCAL? This was a site where Grumman built you know, the F-14 Tomcat and other planes, and they tested them there. There's a runway that's a little over 10,000 feet long, another runway that's 7,000 feet long. And um, so these plans show 10 million square feet of development along those runways. Um, Almost all of it, all but um, 400,000 square feet are uh, logistics buildings. Uh, Mm. Six of those logistic buildings in the subsequent phases are 1.44 million square feet each
0: translate oh, that yeah, translate what logistics what are logistics buildings
3: well um they're like warehouse distribution buildings um they're referred to in this application and they had all these drawings and everything as logistics and distribution buildings and um according to what they presented to the IDA um the uh, long island does not have an airport where um Cargo planes can land and serve companies that rec- that that these buildings cater to companies that deliver goods to people, which is how people shop today, right? I mean, and um, so should we.
0: Should we use the a word?
3: Well, I mean, you know, they mentioned that Amazon as an example of that, and so what happens is if anything is coming in, any kind of cargo is coming by air it lands in Newark or JFK and then gets trucked out to other places say like the Amazon last mile facility in at Cabreski for example um cuz there are limits from what i understand on cargo planes coming into that airport
0: yeah it's been a remember. real concern for people and, around there too the yeah. town
3: is, the town's selling this land selling these runways they're not going to have as far as we know any any control over them going forward and if you know wants to deal is done, and they came up with this complicated you know way to do this without actually transferring title to allow th- this company to complete the subdivision and get the permits and stuff since the town wasn't able to do that. and um, you know, they did this whole this company did this whole presentation before the Riverhead Industrial development Agency talked about the need for this logistics business to have this you know type of of um, operation in Suffolk County, and it's gonna be wonderful, and you know, the jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And and then like, so anybody who was at that meeting or watched it online and is paying attention to this was like, whoa, (laughs) we've never seen this before. And um, then the very next day, um, the, the company turned around and told Channel News 12, that, uh, oh, they're not doing that. they're it's going to be an, an innovation hub, and uh, they issued a statement saying that it's these um runways are going to be just accessory to the principal uses at the at this site. You know, well, yeah, the principal uses at the site are these logistics buildings, you know, so it's not going to be a cargo terminal, cargo airport. It's not going to be planes, random planes flying in. It, it's going to be presumably according to what they presented, um, you know, these buildings are going to be leased out to companies like say Amazon or Walmart or Chewy or whomever. I don't know. So the first million square feet is phase one of that million square feet. 600,000 of it is these logistics buildings and they're building new aprons to and a new taxiway on the runway to like, you know, service, you know, access these buildings and there's loading docks behind the buildings for the tractor trailers, and you know, I mean, it was very clear. But now they're saying, "Oh, no, that's not what we said." And inexplicably, uh, the town supervisor, who, in the news twelve interview uh, the next day after this meeting, actually c- referred to this as a logistics center, um, you know, logistics hub. Um, at At the meeting last week. <laughs> Just like fell right into line with what um triple five's position is, as they've articulated. and um in fact, she had a hard time articulating what the plan was and called their attorney up to speak on her behalf, triple Five's attorney they you, you come up and you explain wow. this yeah, um. <laughs> And Chris Kent, former town councilman in Riverhead and former deputy supervisor in Riverhead and former deputy county executive, uh, is now a partner in a law firm called Farrell Fritz. And and he got up and explained for her what this proposal was. And it's not an air cargo hub at all. It's this innovation, you know, uh, innovation technology place where they're going to be doing research and development, medical education, like all of these kind of terms, kind of vague yeah. thing. But if you look at their plans, which, so then I, in the story this week, I published um, the full document that they presented because I got a PDF of it. And I published the comments at you know the recording from this meeting. And. Um, you know, did some back, you know context and background on this whole thing. So, so
0: what's you know. the what's the public response to all this, Denise? What you know, what is the public? Well, I mean, about? I think that's why they did a one eighty yeah. <laughs> because
3: people went kind of you know I I published that story the next day under a headline that said something about an air cargo logistics hub plan, and you know people sat up and took notice because you know the prospect of cargo. Jets, seven forty sevens, etc you know, landing on those runways and taking off
4: will twenty four seven. You know, most who most knows? Likely. I mean, will control the, the, over it and, it
3: the truck, and the trucks,
4: and the trucks, trucks coming in and out day and night.
3: Absolutely, nobody so, wants so, Kennedy.
4: Nobody wants Kennedy Airport in their backyard.
3: Well, that's exactly right, and um you know, so people got kind of work up over it. And it's the response has been like, oh, nothing to see here. That's not, you know, (laughs) they didn't say fake news, but, you know, (laughs) that's next week. That was the
4: implication.
3: You know, yeah. Like, oh, that's not what we're doing. Well, you know, I I know.
4: The
0: thing about this is it's such a it's it's such an enormous proposal that will have regional implications, too. It's not just the folks who live around uh, Epcow that are going to be affected by it. So. Well, you're saying right on top of it. I I, I think it's, you know, well, thank goodness so you are. Yeah. yeah, it's so crucial to 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 have uh, journalists staying on top of stories like that. And uh,
3: the thing about this, Joe, and, you know, you know, you know, this feeling well, I'm sure. <clears throat> is that like, you know, refuting these contentions with their own words. I mean, quoting verbatim their engineer, their architect, their attorney, you know, the, the, the dot the report the economic analysis report that they file showing the, the drawings and stuff i mean it's not it, it, like i'm characterizing it in a particular yeah. way this is what they said
4: it's, it, right. it's amazing to me that you would give a, yeah. a a presentation on one thing one day and the next day come back and say no that's not what we meant it, it's just they're
3: not even saying that's not, that's not what we said
4: yeah it boggles the mind <laughs>
3: So, I mean, you know, I put a link to the IDA presentation because the video is on the town's website. And, you know, it's it's all there for people who want to see for themselves and, you know, or whether you just want to accept the spin. But, you know, I've got to it's it's a really, really important issue. These run the use future use of these runways has been controversial. I mean, the FAA wanted to develop Calverton as um well the FAA was behind it, but the Long Island Regional Planning Board or Commission, commission. back in nineteen ninety wanted to develop Calverton as an air cargo, you know, airport to relieve a congested JFK. Well, JFK, I dare say, is at least as congested as it was in nineteen ninety <laughs> when it yeah. comes when it comes to cargo. Um,
4: more, more so now. I would imagine, of I course, imagine. with, with, all the, no, with stuff. At
0: the risk of getting death threats, I'll, I'll simply point out that in this new economy, where we do have yeah. uh, a lot of products being delivered to our houses every day, you're going to need distribution some, some people centers more than
4: others, huh, Joe?
0: Yeah, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of boxes in my basement, but I mean, you're going to need that infrastructure, and it is true that it that it doesn't make a lot of sense to have to truck everything, um, all the way to the east, end. so it's it's all very interesting, and I'm glad you're keeping a close eye on it, Denise. I, I certainly,
3: I have, I have no argument with that, Joe. My my issue here as a resident and taxpayer of the great town of Riverhead is that. You know, the town needs to be above board about this.
0: Yeah, like, yeah,
3: did the town not see this? They, they signed a joint application to the IBA uh-huh. with the folks. Did they do that blindly or did they see this and just not disclose it to the what? public for fear of the reaction that they knew they would get?
0: You know, crucial questions. No question. Yeah, that's important. Keep, asking, keep asking them. No yeah. question. Very Yeah,
3: hard. my hair used to be dark brown.
0: <laughs> this is behind the headlines on WLIW FM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today, that was Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local. We also have Brian Cosgrove from WLIW and Christopher Walsh of the East Hampton Star. Brian, you know, real quickly, we wanted to talk about, you know, we spoke about affordable housing. The other topic that never runs out of steam is traffic. But There's actually something to talk about. Um, They've been trying some new things in Southampton town and Southampton village to deal with the traffic um, in the mornings and in the evenings. And we were talking off air. Seems to be working. Right. Seems to be having some some effect. Uh, And we sit in it uh, a lot of the times. And and I think you probably sit in even more than I do. Um, It's it's having a bit of an effect.
2: I would. Yeah. Well, I don't because of my schedule, I don't have to deal with the uh, the morning trade parade. And I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I have to deal with the afternoon. You know, I get I get off uh, the air at four and then depending on what's on my plate, you know, I'm out of there between four and six o'clock. And, um, you know, real quick, it's it's been a character building issue living in uh, <laughs> in uh, in Southampton Village. You know, for 15 years now, I've been dealing with Hill Street. Um, and, um, I remember, I don't want to take too much time, but I remember about when the open was here last time I got stuck. It took, I think over two hours to get from, uh, the end of the village at the beginning of, you know, it, well, Hill street starts to the college. So I have, I still have a bit of PTSD every time I get in traffic <laughs> and I don't know what it's going to bring, but the fact is, is that it's been moving. You know, it's been moving. Um, They've they've stopped those people from coming down from thirty nine. And and I was very guilty of taking that shortcut uh, south of Hill Street and then trying to shoot down Lee. I used to do that, too. They're cutting those the, the last two Lee and the one before it, Captain something. So they're stopping that from happening. So it is moving. You know, it is it's an interesting feeling, though. I'm still trying to shake it. You know, it's like I said, it's really how I deal with it. The bottom line is, but not only do I have to deal with Hill Street, but now that I live on the North Fork, which I love and I'm a taxpayer in Riverhead and I appreciate Denise doing all the work that she does, um, is that I whatever happens on Hill Street and whatever happens on Flanders Road, I'm dead in the water.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just have to have the patience. But anyway, Joe, to to get around to you, are right. I think it's working. I don't know how much it's costing to do that because there's a fair amount of officers that have to monitor these corners, but it seems like it's working on the way home.
0: Yeah, Bill, just to just to clarify for people who don't sit in it every day, uh, what the town and I believe the village is also participating now. uh, They're basically using cones and police officers stationed at key intersections and they're blocking access. Um, and blocking people from turning left into traffic, that slows it down and causes delays. And in Hampton Bays, there's there's a similar thing going on,
4: uh, right. And leaving and leaving now. the traffic signals on a, a blinking light rather than stop and go um, reds reds and greens. And um, you know, Ca- Canoe Place Road in Hampton Bays was always traditionally very backed up, and it's an intersection that that I drive through every morning. And I have to admit that initially i was a little upset with the blinking light program there because it prevented and the cone program because it prevented me from coming down and doing the u-turn shortcut that i used to do to cut some time off and that and that irritated me but i'm i've realizing now that that the program as far as i can tell is is working and i can get on montauk highway a little further west and kind of zip right through that canoe place road intersection where you used to wait um you know four or five cycles of of the light previously because traffic was was so backed up and and you can just kind of shoot through to to and and to brian's point they are they are uh trying some uh similar measures on county road uh 39 in in southampton and some pilot programs and and all that and um, it does seem like this is going to be part of the solution, but there is a significant cost um, to to the police presence um, the the um, I don't know if it was the county or the state came down to the town and said that if you're gonna put a, a a a light on on blank that you need to have an actual police officer at that intersection in case there's uh, you know, a need to direct traffic or, um, you know, or whatever previously they had had, um, um, you know, traffic TCOs, traffic control officers sitting there or whatever, but now you need actual cops and that's going to have an impact on the, on the department. And I don't have the in front of me right now, how much it was, but it, it really is significant, um, tens of thousand dollars, dollars a week, um, you know, in overtime cost for, for the cops. So I, I think that's part, if this is going to be part of the solution, Moving forward, that's something that needs to be addressed. Do you just do you budget more, um, you know, for for the cops, or or do you find you know some other kind of solution? And and I, I want to take the opportunity too to um, um, compliment uh, uh, highway uh, highway chief. Um, just, Charlie McCardle. <laughs> Charlie, McArdle. Charlie McArdle. 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 I had it. I had yeah, it, as I saw it. Charlie and I. go. I'm sorry, Charlie. Charlie and I go way back. I mean, we, you know, uh, thirty, you know, twenty five years or, or whatever. But he really came into office. He was elected uh, this year. He came into office and took the bull by the horns because they had been talking about trying these programs and doing a little test case here and there. And he just came in and he just did it. And he grabbed one of the. Uh, one of the keys to change the lights, and he went and did some intersections and showed that uh, that this can work, and 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 I admire that because so often in, in government you see programs mired down in you know discussions and you know and this and that, and he just kind of came forward. And
0: the and, county's and, immediate
4: response was, "You need a traffic study before you do that." Yeah, and and you know, and came in with the cop thing, you know, and 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 all that, and said, "You need you know these different elements," but. Um, I think he's really pushing it forward, and and I think that's kind of uh, admirable. It's been interesting
0: to see. It seems like it's
4: making a difference. Christopher, we only have a couple minutes left, but you
0: said there's some news on the ongoing legal fight over Truck Beach in East Hampton, too, which is a big
1: deal. Right. I spoke to their attorney, Dan Rogers, not very long ago, and he said that um, there has been finally a date set, and which is this coming Tuesday. Um, for the 14 or so trespassers, or those who were cited for trespassing during an act of civil disobedience on what's popularly known as Truck Beach, um, that's been an ongoing, as you say, SAGA um, property owners uh, sued to uh, have their, have it determined that they own this 4,000-foot stretch of beach along that peak. They were uh, ultimately successful. Um, Having initially been unsuccessful in a 2016 trial, um, so that the beach is effectively privatized to the mean high water mark. And um, last year there were two of these acts of civil disobedience in which um, local baymen drove across the beach with their trucks and and a dory. And Dan Rogers has been a passionate and tireless advocate for them. Um, it's expected that the charges will be dismissed Um, to date no none of the property owners has filed a complaint but they were uh, by intention cited for trespassing last year I think it was in October when that second act of civil disobedience happened so we'll see what happens this coming week and um, I'm assuming we're not at the end of this yet it's only been 13 years so far
0: yeah it's been a long (laughs) battle but it's but but it's an important debate no question and it's not a simple one not a simple right. one to resolve. so yeah, can... we're just about out of time. I you know at, at the very end here, I do want to take a minute and uh, just remember two very prominent men uh, who died uh, on the same day last week, on Thursday uh, in our community. Uh, one was uh, Southampton town Police Chief Stephen Skrinecki, who I had the pleasure of of working with pretty regularly. Um, he He died on Thursday. Um, of uh, he's been battling cancer for uh, quietly, uh, sort of behind the scenes for for some time now. And Kent Fearing, who who is a big part of the uh, aviation community in East Hampton, died in a private plane crash uh, on that same uh, morning. Uh, two two really important folks in the community um, who were lost, and, and we want to send our condolences out to family, friends, and colleagues of, of both of those gentlemen. Uh, sad news when you have to report it, uh, but important news all the same. We are out of time, and I wanna thank our panelists today. Uh, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, thanks Denise. Uh, Brian Cosgrove, uh, who shared the airwaves here at WLIW with us for a little while. Thank you, Brian. Okay. And Christopher Walsh of the East Hampton Star. Christopher, hope you'll come back. We enjoyed having you here.
1: Thank you, I enjoyed it too. And can I ask Brian to play some Van Morrison this afternoon?
0: Oh yeah. How about just Astro Weeks the whole way through, Brian? But can. You you have the ability okay. to do that. So it's like... <laughs> I do. Thank you too to uh to my co host Bill Sutton. Bill? Thank we'll see you, John. And yeah. I'm Joe Shaw. We will see you next week with Behind Headlines. Thanks everybody.